my name is Pastor Izzy. I am the youth pastor here at Belmont Assembly of God. I truly believe that I get to pastor the greatest youth ministry in the Chicago Lane area. It's a fact. It is what it is. Um, one thing that I love about the DNA of this church and something that next gen, uh, not just youth, but next gen, our kids, our youth, next gen, one thing I love is that we uh, also are about the DNA of generosity, something that's been a legacy of this church. And last week, you got to hear a total of what BGMC has raised money for. That is uh, the missions focus for our kids ministry and they are awesome. So if you see little kids with little buddy barrels or little yellow barrels, just give them your money because they're cute. But one thing I love about XL Youth is they give. And I've been holding on to this because I'm afraid that if we told them how much we gave so far this year, that they would stop giving. But I couldn't help but celebrate all that God has been doing in the life of our students. At the beginning of the year, Pastor Joey and I prayed. We said, Lord, what do you want our student ministry to give? And I decided to do something crazy. And I was probably three Red Bulls into the day. And I said, Pastor Joey, I looked him in the face. I said, we're going to raise $25,000 this year. Pastor Joey, full of faith, looked at me in the face and said, that's never been done. <laughs> and I said, oh, what did I do? And he then says, I need you to be better than I ever was. And that's hard to do because our lead pastor is amazing. I just want to honor Pastor Joey as he's out traveling. Uh, I want to honor him for the opportunity. But I wanted to start off tonight's, today's message with just the grand total of what we've raised so far. We've committed to $25,000. And so can I get a drum roll? Can I get a drum roll? To date, today, Youth in Action, our youth ministry as a church have collectively given and raised a total of God show at $32,000, 117 and three cents. Come on, would you give God some shout of praise? Would you thank the Lord for the generosity of our students? God did it. God did it. Holy cow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Amen. Amen. Our students and our leaders collectively, I said, we are going to sacrificially give to Project Rescue, which builds compounds in, in third world countries to educate women and children and uh, rescue them from sex slavery. And so it has been amazing to see what God has done with our students and leaders, $32,000. We've already broken every record that's ever been set. And I believe this church that God's not done. I believe we're going to see a new wave of generosity in this church. It's, it's amazing. Well, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua 24. Joshua 24. I do this in youth. I'm going to do it today because I, I have the mic and I'm in charge today. And so if you've got a real Bibles, can you just wave it up in the air like you just do care? Just wave it at me. I love seeing real Bibles because we all know when a notification pops up on your phone, you just unconsciously click it. And so I like having a Bible up here. And that sounds funny because I don't have one up here. Okay. <laughs> But I love seeing your Bibles, Joshua 24, Joshua 24, we're going to be in verse 15. We're going to be all over the place in Joshua, but today's verse is a focus of Joshua 24, 15. I'll let you get there, I'll let you get there while I say this. I love cooking, but I hate grocery shopping. Can I get amen? 
I love cooking. I hate grocery shopping. One of the things that stresses me out about grocery shopping is that there are so many options. I get stressed out. Maybe you're like, one week I can have this cereal and the next I can have this. No, if I could just have the one cereal forever, I think I'd be okay. I know that the room is probably split on this. But when I go to the grocery store, I get overwhelmed, especially if you go hungry. When you shop hungry, it's the worst. Like, like uh, my marriage has been tested at, at Caputo's. Like, it has been tested at Aldi's. Like, it has been tested where I'm like, just grab the chips. I don't care which one, all right? Just grab the chips, but there's so many options. It reminds me of a show that uh, aired in the old times called Supermarket Sweep. Yeah, all right, all right. The whole premise of the show was to go on a shopping spree in this grocery store where they literally hop in a cart and they race all over the place. I'm like, if I could do that today, that'd be amazing. Get it in and get it out. The premise of the show was to get as much valuable things into your cart. Person with the most value wins. One of the funniest episodes that I remember was this guy, I forgot his name because of how embarrassing this was. Um, his grand total after one of the rounds was not $32,000.03. It was a grand total of $7. As a kid watching this show, I was like, I can't even speak English, but I could have done better than that, right? Like, I, I don't know much words, but I at least could have done better than that. And it was embarrassing. Uh, this morning, uh, you and I go to the grocery stores and, and, and as we go throughout our day, but this morning I want to talk about something. Uh, when you go to the grocery store, there's always what we call a non-negotiable item, right? Like, when you buy tortillas, it's L. That's, it's a non-negotiable. And the one time I made, I was bragging, I was like, I'm making tacos today, and I love Pastor Evelyn because she set me on the right path. She's like, what tortillas are you using? And I'm like, I've been in Missouri for 12 years. I don't know. And she's like, the ones you bought are wrong. Never do it again. Get out of my face. And no, she was like, Edminagro. Those are the ones. Those are non-negotiable. So when we buy certain things, they're non-negotiables, especially when it comes to putting things in our cart. We want the most bang for our buck, the most value. And so this morning, I want to add the most valuable thing to your cart today. I want to uncover another strategy of the enemy. We've been in a series called Know Thy Enemy. And so today, I'm going to get right into it. Today, another trick of the enemy is to get you to choose. Another trick of the enemy is to give you options. Here's what I'm saying. The devil wants the church to make church optional, to make giving optional, to make discipleship optional, to make serving optional. And ultimately, if he can get you to choose, and ultimately he's got a 50-50 chance of snaring you into a trap, leaving you with a grand total value of your life at zero dollars. He takes everything and leaves nothing. So today's message is called this. I want you to write it down. It is called optional non-negotiables. Optional non-negotiables. If you've got Joshua 24, 15, here we go. We're going to read it right now. It says this, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me 
and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and this is your word, not mine. And so I'm not here to add to it. I'm not here, not here to put words in your mouth, but Lord, free us through your word that has been here since the beginning. We love you. In Jesus' name, everyone says, amen. What's happening here? Because I feel like we just walked into uh, someone watching a show halfway through and people just like like to ask questions when you've already started the episode and it gets really annoying because then you have to explain it and then miss your favorite part. That's kind of what's happening. We just kind of walked into the scene on Joshua 15, 24, 15. So I want to go back. And I think it's important that you and I uh, read large bits of scripture. I think God can breathe on that. I think it's healthy for us. So today, turn to your and say, buckle up, buttercup. Because we're going to read what happened the episode before. Right? If we're on episode two, I'm going to go back and read what's happening in episode one. You'll see it on the screen here we go. Verse 2, Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshiped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Sarah to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Verse 5, then I sent Moses and Aaron. And I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought your people out of Egypt. You came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea, but they cried to the Lord for help. And he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. Verse 8, keep rolling with me. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, the son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Almost there. Verse 11, then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also, here we go, check this out, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and the Hatertites. That's not in there. That's my reservation. So it's the international version. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also, the two kings, the two Amorite kings, you did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, cities you did not build, and you live in them and eat from the vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. We've arrived. God, through Joshua, is reminding the people here, out of all of that, just how far they've come. Just how far they come. And not just how far they've come, but who got them there. Notice the vocabulary. If you notice the influx on my voice every time I said it, I brought you, I delivered you, I saved you. I'm the one that did it. God is not in the business of sharing any kind of glory. I did it, the Lord says. Listen, church, you, may, you made it this far 
Not because you budgeted correctly. Not because you survived efficiently. Not because you managed well. But because of this very factor that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that saved the Egyptians. It's the same God that looked at your bank account and turned a zero into plus. It's the same God that saw your children running from the church. And now they're here today serving the Lord in faithfulness. It is the same God. You survived. You made it here. Not because of any other than that God is the same look at verse 10 again he says so I give you the land on which you did not toil in cities you did not build so whatever in your mind that says you did it so you deserve any kind of credit any type of award God is saying man wrong buzzard wrong you aren't here today by any other means that God is the same Now we come to the verse that we read earlier, and this is Joshua speaking. Now he says this, verse 14, let's kind of rewind, go back in time. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with what? Off. Ooh, I like this. In in XL Youth, we like to break down words. Because we see the word faithfulness, and we're like, that feels good. We like faithfulness, right? But the word before it is what? All, not half, not some, not when you feel like it, not when the weather's good, not when any other aspect is into play. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with one more time. All faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, pause. You will see this on someone's wall in someone's house right now. This is on a decorative plaque right in someone's house. You've got it in cursive. It's on your house. It's a decal in someone's room, all right? Point to the person if that's them. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The Lord spoke to me, church. And he does that often, I promise. The Lord spoke to me, and I had another message, and I felt really good. And I felt like the Lord said, I need need my people to hear this. And I was like, Pastor Joey's back next week. (laughs) He said, "I, I have a word, and it's this. He says, my people entertain options where they should be a non negotiable. And that punched me in the gut. Sometimes we kind of need that. He said, Izzy, most of the time he talks to me first. He says, you entertain options when, where there should be a non-negotiable. You look at so many other tortillas when there's only one. Izzy, you look at other gods when there's only one. You look at other sources of strength when there's only one. So I want to observe three things. I'm not going to say that these are three points for you to succeed in choosing God, but I want to observe something because I believe as we teach our students how to read the Bible, most of it starts with observing what Scripture is saying. So three observations say that the first observation we see is here the challenge of choice. The challenge of choice. Joshua presents a powerful choice to the people of Israel. He reminds them that they must Choose whom they will serve. Must. I like that word again. I like finding those in-between words because it really gives us a focus. You have to choose today. 
You have to choose. When you wake up every morning and you choose to feed and clothe your kids, thank you for doing that. You had to choose that. You have to choose. Joshua is saying, choose this day. Choose this day. Here's something uh, to challenge you with. If you don't choose, someone or something will choose for you. If you don't choose who's going to raise your kids, and if you don't make that decision, someone else or something will do it for you. And I, I, I'm, there's going to be emphasis on parents, but listen, my single folks and my young adults, don't get it twisted. This is for you. This is a word for you. This choice also is not a one-time decision. It's not, let me just put my name down on a premium subscription of choosing God and I'm just going to live my life. No, this is a daily commitment and dare I say hourly because people be on your nerves. Traffic beat traffic. Choosing to serve the Lord, I'm going to let you in, right? Like choosing to serve the Lord. We all face choices in our lives, some of which we will either lead us away from God or to God, but Joshua challenges us to do this, to consider the consequences of our choices and to make a deliberate decision to serve the Lord. Another observation we see is this, that there is the contrast of options. As we read 14 and 15, there are options that, that Joshua presents. This is where Satan's tricks come into play. When we say, know thy enemy, here it is. You'll even see this as Pastor Joey has talked to this series that he mentioned Genesis, where Satan brings to Eve the option of obedience when it should have been a non Come on, you're with me. We see as Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he was given options of obedience, right? Turn the stones to bread, jump off uh, the, the temple. We see that if Satan can delay obedience or twist it, he can get the non-negotiables in your life to now become optional. And I'm not going to backtrack to the past sermons that Pastor Joey's in, but, this, but the devil loves to do that. You know, there's another way. Do you know there's another thought? There's another attitude that you can have right now. There's another thing that you can do. And he loves that. And so we read that bulk of scripture 2 through 13 in Joshua 24. And you're like, Pastor Izzy, you had me read all that and now I have a migraine? For what? Here it is. What they're doing in that moment what God is doing is he is reminding his people. He is reminding them. And so another thing that the Lord spoke to me today when it comes to fighting off the options and maintaining dedication to the non-negotiable is this. Remembrance focuses our attention from many options to a non-negotiable. God, I remember when I didn't know how I was going to make it. I remember during COVID where this whole thing was shut down and I'm sitting here today and my kids are healthy. I did, you did it. When, when the devil likes to bring options of insecurity where I feel like I have to make something happen as a husband or father, what I like to do is sit there and say, you've never failed me yet. You have been faithful to me. You have been honorable to me. You have been close to me. You have never left me. You've never forsaken me. You have been by my side. And so who am I to choose anything or trust anything but you? But you have to recall his deeds. One of my favorite Psalms, it says this, if I were to recite all of your deeds, I would never come to the end of them. I wonder what, what it would look like if in moments of stress or choices, you would sit down and maybe practically, physically, write down what God has done in your life. You don't have enough paper for it. You don't have the pens for it. God has been faithful. Joshua highlights two, 
two contrasts here, two contrasting options. It's this, serving the Lord or serving false gods. And the gods of the past or the gods of the present. The two contrasts that we see. The gods of the past look like this. It looks like tradition. I'm not talking about the tradition that everybody wakes up in their Christmas jammies and goes to IHOP, right? That's not, that's not does anybody else do that? Is it just me? I'm weird. All right. It's true. Christmas morning, we're at IHOP with everyone else. I'm not talking about that tradition. I'm not talking about who puts the star on the tree or anything like that. I'm talking about traditions of hurt. I'm talking about traditions of survival. I'm talking about traditions that say, my father talked to me like this, and so I'm going to talk to you like that. Traditions that say, my mother made sure that I was prim and proper and perfect. And now, because it's tradition, and this is what the women in my family look like, this is how we're going to be. It's traditions that when God wants to do something new, you don't walk into in faith because of tradition. And if we hold on to traditions like that, they become God's. And you see in verse 2 through 13, he is saying, and 14 and 15, you will see, he said, you can either serve this God or the gods of your ancestors. Tradition. Or the gods of the Amorites in which land you live in right now. So what's that contrast? That contrast is the gods of the present. And what that looks like is this. I have a lot going on. I, I'm busy. It's the God of busy. Some people just like responding to people that way. How are things going? I'm busy. Because somehow it measures the growth when in reality it's done nothing. It's just made you busy. And we tend to worship the God of busy. We tend to worship it. I've got other commitments. Some things are just more important than going to church, pastor. It's not for you because you work there. Some things are more important than being, I've got, I've got money to make. I've got a kid to take to sports. I'm not saying any of those things are bad. But the second those things are the first option before serving the Lord and committing to him in prayer and in service, you've just made a God. You've just made a God. And I'll tell you as a 30-year-old whose parents are still fresh in my mind, okay? Like there were moments where I should have been in church. I should have been serving. But because we feel like we have to make things happen in our lives, like God's not in control, like he doesn't hold everything that we are in the palm of our hands or his hands, that we've got to make things happen. No, you need to make the presence of the Lord a priority. You don't need to make anything happen. You know what's crazy? Can I remind you? He's already seen it. He's already seen the bills paid. He's already seen the healing happen. He's already seen it. And so the best option, the non-negotiable for you, is as for me in my house, we will serve. As for me in my house, we're going to be at the Wednesday night prayer meeting. Because the Bible says where the, the prayers of the righteous availeth much, meaning they are powerful and effective. And so it's not just this dialogue that you throw up into the sky hoping that the lights don't block it, right? It is literally the, the God of the universe extending an ear to you. What are my kids saying? What do they need? How can I, I believe that God is on the edge of his seat wanting to bless you. And I believe this. I had a mentor say this. He said, Izzy, when you take care of the things God cares about, he will take care of the things that you care about. And we should care about being in his presence. That's not on my notes, but God is moving and it's good.
Joshua's message encourages us to do this, to discern the value of our choices and to prioritize our service to God. If I can have the worship team come up. Our last observation, our last observation. Say, we're here. Look at your neighbor and make sure they're awake. God is moving. The last observation is this. We see the commitment of a godly leader. We see the commitment of a godly leader. Joshua, a faithful leader, declares his commitment to the Lord by saying, as for me and my house, I feel like he had like a junk line in his head. Like, as for me in my house, we, what's this next word? We what? We will serve. Not when I'm available. Not when the sun's out. Not when Pastor Jason only leads worship. Not when P. Joey is only preaching. As for me and my house, we will. It's a non-negotiable. It is a non-negotiable. We will serve the Lord. His leadership, this is something that I need you to hear today. His leadership extends beyond himself. And there's, there's something in us that we're selfish beings. We just are. And I like to tell couples that get engaged, I'm like, marriage is two selfish people coming together to be selfless. And that's really hard. Now all of a sudden, I got to share a bed. That's crazy. Move over. All of a sudden, we have to care for you. Became a parent. Maybe you're, it's not your kid. Maybe you're a grandparent. And now you're taking care of your grandkids. Maybe you've adopted. Or maybe you're just doing a favor. Or helping someone out. You're looking for options to try to help you in the season of your life. And I've got one that is non-negotiable. is serving the Lord. His leadership extends beyond himself as he takes responsibility. Listen to me here. It is not my responsibility. It is not Pastor Joey's responsibility. Our responsibility is this house. And so as your pastor, for your teenagers and a pastor of this church, when I walk in the doors of this place, I make a commitment and I take responsibility of what happens in these walls. And I say, as for me and my house, we will serve. Here's where I can't touch. I can't go home with your kids. I can't go home with you. As much as we appreciate our pastors this month, we can't go home. And so you need, you you must choose. You must take this responsibility because it goes beyond you. It, it doesn't just affect you, but it will affect generations. There's been moments in my life, had it not been for the prayers and interceding of my grandparents who do it at 5 a.m. every day since every grandchild was born. I truly believe I wouldn't be where I was at. The commitment that my great-grandfather made as a owner of a bar and a speakeasy here in Chicago. God radically changed his life after living a promiscuous life, cheating on my great-grandmother, my grandmother catching him. God changed his life and he made a decision. 
As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I get to sit with my grandparents and hear stories of where they, there were better options. But God was faithful. And they decided to choose the non-negotiable. I stand here today because my great-grandfather had a dream of playing professional baseball for the Chicago Cubs. He played for the minors here in the city. God called him into ministry, and when it didn't work out, he went back to playing baseball. And one of my favorite stories is as he's pitching, as he's on the mound, getting ready halfway through the game, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, I didn't call you to do this. This wasn't an option. This wasn't an option. My grandfather had to make a decision. Choose you this day, Hector Bermudez, whom you will serve. And he took off his pitcher's bit and he put it on the mound and he walked in mid-game and God blessed him and honored him. And it hadn't been for my great-grandfather, had it not been for my grandpa, had it not been my father, after 21 years of service in the military, singing all types of things, he said, as for me and my house, we will serve. Had it not been for the legacy and the decision of a non-negotiable, I wouldn't be standing here today. You may not be alive to see it, but with the decision that you make to serve the Lord, it won't just affect you, or your kids, but your children's children and the children of your children and the children of their children. I believe that God wants to bless you in your choice today. Joshua took ownership. And what does that look practically here? Can I just be practical for a second? What does it mean to serve? Does, it, does that just mean to show up? I understand that some of you might not know the vocabulary the Christianese in church. What does it mean to serve? What it means is we have a program here called Growth Track. And Growth Track is a class every month, right? Every week of the month, I'm just making sure I do this right, where you can explore and discover and uncover the calling that God has on your life. If you're sitting here like, I don't know why I'm here, I just know I'm supposed to be here. Growth Track is a class that allows you to discover those things and not just learn and discover those leadership qualities about yourself, but plug you in specifically to a ministry where your strengths align to. Do you know you could be a benefit to this church? If you would choose to serve, if you would choose to go through growth track, we're asking for four Sundays. What is four Sundays in comparison to discovering the leader and the identity that you have in Christ? What is four Sundays for you to smile and wave at somebody in the parking lot who really needed a smile? What is four Sundays of commitment? What else does it practically look like? You know what it looks like? It looks like giving, which I don't have to beat that hammer down. $32,000, over 10 grand for our BGMC. But you know what it could look like today? And I will unapologetically do this. We have Momentum Youth Convention coming up. And as a former attendee from eighth grade to my senior year, God called me into ministry there. The Holy Spirit baptized me. Youth from around the state come together in one accord to worship the living God and be mobilized by him. You're like, I don't have family. I don't have kids. This is your family. These are your kids. And when you say, 
for, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I wonder what it would look like if every kid got scholarship to go. I wonder what it would look like if we took responsibility and said, I'm going to sow a direct seed into the youth ministry by paying for a student to go experience God in a way they've never experienced him before. I wonder what would happen if we would do that. It looks like the prayer meeting. You might say again, I don't have family. I'm here by myself. That's what I love about Belmont. That's what I fell in love with when I got here a year ago. That this place felt like home. And when one of the greeters hugged me for the first time, it felt like, it felt like family. That's what I love about this place. What's the benefit of serving the Lord and developing a legacy in your house? It's eternal life. Because that choice comes with the commitment. That commitment is to follow Jesus. And who is Jesus if you're here today? Jesus was a man that was born and lived a perfect life. He's the son of God. He's who we worship. He's the son of God. We call him the Messiah, which means the chosen one, the savior, our deliverer, redeemer. There's a man named Jesus who lived a perfect life. In John 3.16, we see something that says this, for God so loved the world, he sent his only son to die for us on a cross for our sins so that you and I could no longer look at the options of the world and see Jesus as a non-negotiable. I'm not asking for your money. I'm not asking for anything. I'm asking you today to see this choice and see Jesus as your savior. What makes him the perfect candidate? He lived a perfect life. He did three years of ministry with his best friends. And then one person in that crew, one person decided to betray him only to fulfill a promise that God was going to send a redeemer. Jesus dies on a cross for me, for you, so that our children and their children and their children remember the glory and the faithfulness of God so that they too can say we will serve the Lord because we find our strength, purpose, and hope. That's where we're at. And so you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Izzy, I don't know Jesus, but the way I've been living and where I'm at, those options don't cut it. The options of the drugs, the, uh, the options of the alcohol, the options of the promiscuous living, the option of the bitterness, the options of the unforgiveness that you've been holding on to. Those gods don't love you. They can't love you. They won't save you. There is one God. And the same God that saved them can save you and has saved you. But we have to choose. Joshua says this, and it is my charge to you today. Whom will you choose to serve God loves you very much and I can't make you choose I can't put the words in your mouth that wouldn't be real anyway if I could have everyone do this can you just bow your head with me because I understand the pressures of making this decision I understand the pressures of saying there's people looking and I don't know what they're going to say it's not people that will take responsibility for your life or your family to you. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, listen, Pastor Izzy, 
my dad or my parents or the people above me didn't choose, but, and I saw where that got us. So today I want to make that decision. For the first time, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. I want to know what it means to be a Christian. I want to take those steps because I can't do this anymore. I don't want to worship anybody else because no one else loves me the way that you're saying Jesus loves you. And so I'm going to do this. I'm not going to emotionally manipulate you, church, with heads bowed, eye closed. I'm going to count to three, and there's nothing magical about it. I just want to give you time to prepare. I'm going to count to three. And if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you want to be a Christian, you want to follow Jesus, live a life of peace, and ultimately find your way to heaven. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand when I count to three. One, Jesus loves you. Two, he loves everything about you. Nothing can separate you from him. Three, is there anyone that would just raise their hand to say, I want to do, I see that hand over there. Is there anyone else? Choose this day. I see that hand right here. I see those hands in the middle. Is there anyone else? Choose this day. I see that little hand right there. That's amazing. Even our children are responding. I see that hand. I see you. God sees you. I see you, man. I see you. If I could have the altar team find their way. I see you. Come on, who else? I see that hand back there. There are hands going up across this place. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Anyone else? I don't want to miss this. I don't want to, I don't want you to miss this. I worry about the time. Amazing. If you once you put up your hand, you can put it back down. Amen. If we could stand across this place, if we can all stand. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm here to challenge you. And these altar team members are here right now to pray with those of you that raised your hands. Now I can have the band play this amazing big song and get you to step out of your chair to come down to the front and most pastors would say, yes, Pastor Izzy, you should do that. But I feel Joshua saying, you have to choose it. You have to choose so here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing a chorus. And the rest of you, I want you to worship. I want you to lift your hands. I want you to pray. And those of you, I just really feel like this is a challenge. And this could, it won't, but this could backfire. We're just going to keep rolling. If you raised your hand, I want to encourage you as we sing, as we play, I want you to step onto the aisle and find your way at the front in front of one of my prayer workers and they're going to pray for you and it's going to be an amazing moment and I believe the second you take that step into the aisle you are going to feel God change your life and so I'm going to pray when I say amen I want you to step into the aisle I want you to come down Lord we love you and as I say amen I want you to start singing Lord we love you your presence is here you are moving on the hearts of people and Satan would want nothing more than to give them the option of not coming not stepping out of the aisle not making this commitment but God it's a non-negotiable in this moment because you want to move on their hearts you want to speak to them and so right now Lord I pray that you would move them so go ahead come, come out of your seats come down front and Lord, we pray you would work on their hearts. Come on, come on out of your seats. Coming out of your seats. And church, as they come, I want you to cheer for them. Come on, that's amazing, that's amazing. Come on, let's cheer for them. Come on, come on. 
Come on, who else? Who else chooses this day? Come on, we want to celebrate with you. We want. We don't want to expose you. We want to celebrate. Come on, come, come. I see you. I love you. I love you. Come on, who else? Come on, is there anyone else? As we sing, as we sing. Come on, as they clap for you, I want you to come, come, come. Lord, you're moving. Yes, that's amazing. Come on, Lord. Do it, Lord. Only you can. Only you can, Lord. Come on, as we sing, you come, you come. We praise you, Lord. Come on, is there anyone else? Come on, there's one right here. Let's keep clapping. Let's keep encouraging them. It's amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's amazing. We make room for you, Lord. We make room for you, Lord. Yes. And I will make room for you. We praise you, Lord. Won't you do whatever you want to? Yes, Lord. Do whatever you want. Come on, these people are deciding. I love that. Come on. One more person. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. There's nobody like you. There's nobody like you. Yes, Lord. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, would you stretch out your hands to these individuals who are deciding to follow Jesus? Lord, these people are making a commitment right now to follow you or maybe make that decision again to follow you. Lord, we see an entire family dedicating their lives to you. Bless them, Lord. Charge them. Challenge them. Help grow them. All ages are coming to you now in this moment. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Choose you this day whom you will serve. God loves you. He wants to provide for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that it takes just believing in our hearts and confessing in our mouth that you died and rose again, Jesus. And then we're saved. That's it. No tradition, no rapport, no resume. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Those of you that are praying, you can keep praying, but the rest of the church, the rest of the body of Christ, I want you to look at me. There's some of you that need to make a commitment today to serve. There's some husbands and fathers here that feel torn between serving the house of the Lord and providing for their family. You have a heavenly father that sees you as a son that wants to take care of you. And are there any men in the house that will choose this day and say, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. And you might have to take ownership and say, hey, I, I've made church an option. I've made my kids going to church and experiencing God an option, but not anymore. Are there any fathers in this place that say, I want to do that? I want to do that. If you are a father that says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If it's not your first commitment, but you've been living that, I want you to raise your hand. Come on, all my dads. All my dads, just lift your hands. Just lift your hands. As we see all the fathers in the house, make that commitment. So as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I believe that God wants to equip you. I believe that God wants to specifically equip you to start a legacy in your family, not of traditional hurt, but of traditional service. I believe he wants to do that. Can we pray for all of the men in this house? Because we... We carry the responsibilities and we can put, as well as those grandparents and single parents, anyone that is an influencer over kids or children, teenagers, let's pray for you now. Lord, we've made a decision 
that you are non-negotiable. And I pray, God, that as we walk out of this church, our decision wouldn't stay here. But like we've seen, we must make a daily commitment to you. And as the men of this house, as the mothers of this house, as the grandparents and the great-grandparents of this house, as the caretakers of this house, we make a commitment to you to no longer get trapped into the schemes of the enemy. Now that we know our enemy's tricks, Lord, we choose you today. We choose to serve you today. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone says, come on, would you give the Lord a hand clap today? Come on, would you bless the Lord? Amen. Amen.